Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. Welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is Tom. That's Sam. We're back, and we've got more Miranda to talk. Wait, didn't we finish, Sam? Didn't we? Didn't we do like ten episodes on Miranda already? We've done like a lot of episodes on Miranda, uh, but we're not done yet. This will be our final one about the lore of Miranda for now. For okay. now, I'm leaving that door creaked a little bit open just so that if we ever de- decide to really zero in on a, on a certain theme, we can come back. But for now, this is it. Okay. But so we've talked about uh, her specifically before the game. So like the mobile game, the, that mobile game, remember the mobile game? We talked about the mobile game. And, uh, horrendous. The, yes, yeah, go and, on. and the comics and their varying levels of quality. Um, so what now? What's next? So I've... I've pulled a number of Miranda moments from Mass Effect 2 and 3 that really show us what kind of person she is and what's important to her. So uh, I'm hoping we can dive into those and discuss them. If I knew you were going to say Miranda moments and I hadn't been on vacation this entire last week and just got back (laughs) yesterday, then I would have I would have written a little jingle that went like Miranda moments. boing. Like each of the would need to be some sound effect that would like allude to a butt shot or something. I don't know. <laughs> Fart? What other sounds, what other mean, sounds your is, butts make? There is a Miranda moment where you're talking to her in Mass Effect 3, the original one, and she says something big. And then it, the camera pans and it's a shot of her butt. So maybe we could have just quoted her as saying something big. Miranda moments. <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's it. Nothing is unintentional. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So, okay. So we're going through, we I got a bunch of clips set up. We're talking about all of these different clips. And th- I mean, am I right to assume that this is like character arc episode? Yes. Yes. This one is her character arc episode. We're going to talk specifically. We talked a little bit about it at the end of the comics, how there's a little bit of doubt within Miranda about Cerberus. And now we're going to talk about how that gets fleshed out and what her redemption arc is. All right. So where do we start? First up, let's talk about Miranda's conversation conversations rather with Shepard right after they're woken up. So let's go right to the beginning, Mass Effect 2, and uh, we've got a clip here from the very first conversation that you can really have with Miranda after you're off that station that's blowing up and you get a a chance to settle in. I'm eager to see if you can live up to his expectations on this mission. I can't have anyone disobeying my commands when we get there. I know who I report to. As long as you don't do anything to betray Cerberus, I'll follow your orders. I never got a chance to say how much I appreciated what the Lazarus Project did for me. I just hope it was worth it. A lot of people lost their lives on that station. We have to work together here. Your attitude isn't helping anything. I have the utmost respect for your abilities, Shepard. It's your motivations that concern me. I believe in what Cerberus stands for. Only time will tell if you prove to be an asset or a liability to our cause. So so this is an interesting clip. Uh, First of all, the thing that stands out to me the most about it is Shepard sounds so robotic. (laughs) 
<laughs> like the delivery yeah. is very just very flat very flat and um we talked about this before how he becomes more emotionally open as the series goes on yes um and um, this definitely feels early in in that like limited emotional de- delivery kind of thing Yes, it is right after you first talk with the elusive man after having been woken up. Uh, But what I found to be pretty interesting is how frosty Miranda is right off the bat. She's just, you know, very, very, very cold with you. Isn't completely convinced that you are worth it. Basically, that's kind of how it seems. And, you know, she's like, only time will tell if you prove to be an asset or a liability. Yeah. Oh, Okay, uh, I'm nice watching to you. you too. You know, I just said thank you for reviving me, and that's how you reply. Like, wow, this is okay. You know, I don't know what I did to get on your bad side, uh, but clearly, we're not going to be friends. That's that's what I took away from it, anyway. Uh, going in as a paragon, and that wasn't my gameplay, but going in as a paragon, my very first playthrough, trying to be nice to her, trying to you know at least make a good impression. And uh, that's how she replies. I'm like, okay, well. Yeah, and he calls her out on it. He's like, all right, starting with the attitude early. All right, here we go. Yeah, yeah. And and then, so this conversation kind of evolves and then it gets into this discussion about the control chip. Uh, if you remember, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners have brought up to us, when are you going to talk about the control chip? When are you going to go into depth about it? Well, now we're going to address how Miranda talks about it. And it is brought up as early as this. I mean, this is really like the first maybe 20, 40 minutes of the game, I guess, yeah. uh, where this happens. And so this next clip here we can hear her talking about and telling Shepard, I wish I would have put that chip in. Tell me a little about yourself. Worried about my qualifications? I can crush a mech with my biotics or shoot its head off at a hundred yards. Take your pick. I was trying to get to know you as a human being. I'm not looking for a friend, Shepard. Stay focused on the mission. I'd like to know more about the Lazarus Project from the person in charge. I wasn't in charge. The elusive man was. If I was running the show, would have done a few things differently. What would you have changed? To start, I would have implanted you with some type of control chip. But the elusive man wouldn't allow it. He was afraid it might affect your personality, alter your character somehow. He wouldn't let us do anything that might limit your potential in any way. Can't say I like the idea of being brought back to life with a control chip in my brain. The elusive man is taking an incredible risk with you. I just hope his gamble pays off. We talked about this one a little bit on uh, one of the other episodes. The idea that like she was the one who was like, I I would have put a control chip in. Yeah, like good lord, <laughs> I just met you, and uh, you're telling me that you wish I wasn't me. <laughs> right. I'm gonna try and not take right. that personally. Right. Well, um, I mean, okay. So at this point, she is, she has been all in with Cerberus, and she knows that Shepard hasn't yes so from her perspective he is a liability and a loose cannon and somebody who should be controlled if they're going to bring him back yes that is important to remember and keep in mind with the comics that we just covered what just happened before this rasa just made off with the shepherd clone miranda lost yeah and so so agent rasa aka brooks just escaped with the clone of shepherd and now so it makes sense that miranda would not be in a good mood because that happens with rasa and then shepherd's being woken up because wilson betrayed her too and is trying to destroy the station 
So everything is, is going awry for the one project that the elusive man put Miranda into. Right. And she's very clearly saying here, like, well, I wasn't the one in control. <laughs> like I wasn't the one in control. This yeah. didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Basically. So imagine, imagine, okay, for our listeners, imagine you are a project manager and your boss is extremely mercenary, fires people left and right for the smallest inconveniences, you know, and on your project, you have a singular responsibility. And then like a secondary one in, in case of, you know, break in case of, in case of uh, fire. Uh, so the break in case of fire one fails. So you're like, well, this primary one better work, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And then right maybe a few days before you're about to hit the execute button on your project and, and unveil it live. And then, you know, for all of these billions of dollars that your boss has given you on this, this P card for your project, and a few days beforehand, someone on your team backstabs you and sabotages the project. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be in a good mood? Yeah, no, that I mean, it definitely feels like she's had the wind taken out of her sails. She's just like, I'm here to do my job. Just let me right. do my job. I'm not making and of friends. course my justification is taking all of the lore into account in a narrative sequence kind of way. Yeah. It's not addressing things in the order in which they were released. Obviously the comics were released after the developers made this conversation in Mass Effect 2. Sure. But we're putting ourselves in universe here. So right. So that might be an explanation as to why Miranda's so frosty. The other explanation is that she was designed to be that frosty, that frosty um kind of Cerberus representative head mm -hmm. right from the get-go. Right, right. But she becomes more cordial. We could say cordial. Yeah. Yeah, she does pretty quickly. Actually, the tone changes a little too quickly for my liking in the game, uh, because as soon as you get the Normandy and you have that first conversation with her in her office, the tone changes. She opens up pretty quickly and we have a clip exemplifying some of that. Cerberus operations go. This is one of the best I've been a part of. Maybe that's because this isn't a Cerberus operation. Not to you, maybe. But I report directly to the elusive man, and I'm here because he wants me to be. Cerberus gave you a second chance, Commander. Maybe you should do the same for us. Give us a second chance. We're just so Cerberus. A lot, lot nicer. She's not backing off the Cerberus thing, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a lot nicer in how she's uh, portraying this to Shepard. So Cerberus gave you a second chance. Maybe you should do the same. I found that line in particular to be pretty interesting after having read the comics because it sounds exactly like how she views her debt to the elusive man. So she mentions that at the end of the comics, you know, that I owe him everything. You know, he basically saved me from my father. He gave me a second life. I owe him everything. So I should give him the benefit of the doubt is what she's not saying there. And now she's telling Shepard, Cerberus gave you a second chance. So you should do the same. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like one of those like reasonable manipulative statements, you know, like one of those manipulative, like one of those statements that's designed to be manipulative, but, but done so in a like very reasonable way. Like who wouldn't agree, uh, who wouldn't agree to that? That sounds reasonable. 
You know, like if you oh, disagree you with that, like then you must be a jerk. It's reasonable. Right. Right. Like, you, like, yeah. Like, oh, well, I mean, who who doesn't believe in second chances? Like, well, OK, you're right. Everybody believes in second chances. Like, you know, like if you don't believe in second chances, you're a jerk. So obviously this is reasonable. That's kind of the logic that follows from that. Yeah. It's kind um, of what it feels like. And she's essentially saying without saying it, that Shepard owes the elusive man a debt. Yeah. That you, you know, you owe Cerberus a debt because we brought you back. Which so is kind of true. I mean, there is they have some leverage there. They have leverage, but I don't necessarily agree that it means that Shepard owes them anything because Shepard never agreed. That's true. To be brought That's back. true. Right. Again, it's one of those manipulative statements. It's one of those like, well, it seems rational that we did this nice thing for you. And so therefore you would do something for us. Right. Right. It's a quid pro quo thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, regardless of how we feel about it, the point is that Miranda's tone changes very quickly and it seems much more friendly that Miranda is being is is open to becoming, you know, friends or at least friendly co-workers with Shepard. Right. So the conversations move on to her father. We get more insight because that becomes a very central point about her character and her backstory and all of that. We've talked a little bit about this, right? Yeah, it's exactly why she says in the comics, you know, like I owe the elusive man everything. He gave me a second chance because she runs away from her father. She her father is extremely abusive. He's a borderline like narcissistic sociopath. Uh, and so this does become a very central theme in her in her entire character arc uh, and how we kind of get a window into how she views herself as well. So we have a clip here from Mass Effect 2 uh, where she first tells Shepard about her father. Do you remember when I told you how I was genetically altered? Well, that wasn't my choice. My father created me. He's a very influential man and extremely controlling. He didn't want a daughter. He wanted a dynasty. I ran away as soon as I was old and brave enough. I went to Cerberus because I knew they could protect me. You seem capable of defending yourself. Why did you need Cerberus? My father invested a great deal in his dynasty. It wasn't a matter of just leaving. I knew he would continue to pursue his investments. I assume that Cerberus approves of your enhanced abilities? Of course. Cerberus fully endorses anything that advances the cause of humanity. Genetic alterations included. But unlike my father and his own selfish reasons, Cerberus and the elusive man believe in a greater good. They see the bigger picture. And I feel like I have a purpose here. Talk about yourself like you're just a tool to be used by your father, by Cerberus. Maybe. I like to know where I fit in the world. It helps me find meaning in how I was created. You are who you are, Miranda. You don't need to make excuses for it. That's easy for you to say. We've both been engineered for greatness, Shepard. The difference is you were great before we rebuilt you. I'm great because of it. I remember this conversation from one of the other episodes where we highlighted it, talking about her being designed and, and all of that. And it definitely feels like that has completely colored her view of herself and the world around her. Finding meaning in how she was created, yeah. I think, is probably the uh, most honest part of that conversation, that she's constantly trying to find that. And first of all, I cannot imagine having a father like that. Um, but it's important to note that Miranda never had a mom. 
because like she says, she wasn't conceived naturally. And it's also very important to note that Miranda was not the first daughter that he designed. Mm -hmm. Just the first one he kept. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Um, that can you imagine you're you've you've I can't but you've been brought into this world and you don't have a mom and dad like everyone does you don't have two parents at least and you weren't you were you were basically grown in a in a lab and you weren't the first you know that right it but makes you the feel first one very expendable, but also like there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. Like you've got to, you got to live up to something because you are expendable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have to live up to something because clearly there is a benchmark. There is something that is being expected of you, even if it's not maybe particularly clearly enunciated to you. Right. There is a goal that you should reach because otherwise you're getting the can just like everyone before you who knows how many of those there were. So all of a sudden running away to Cerberus starts to make sense, right? Because her father was an investor in Cerberus. That's how she knew about Cerberus. And she knew that the Cerberus organization was powerful enough to keep her safe. Right. She also she also makes a comment at the beginning of this where she talks about how they saw the bigger picture, which feels very analogous to the ends justifies the means. Like, yes, they can see the big picture. So they have a good reason for doing all the terrible things that they do because they can see the big picture. (laughs) Not everyone can see it. Like she kind of needs to believe that they're doing the right thing. Right. Because right. they're the ones who saves her. Yeah. It, it's echoes of a cult mentality. This idea that like there's something that only we know and nobody else will really understand it. So it doesn't matter if they critique us. We know something they don't and we see things in a way that they don't. And that's the real truth. Yeah. Um, and it, honestly, she's running it from the arms of one abuser into the arms of another. Right. And which is another uh, thing. That's another thing psychologically that a lot of people do when they're raised in abusive situations. That's why they end up with abusive spouses is because they psychologically go from one to the next because that's what feels familiar. Yes. Even though it doesn't and it, feel good. I think it's called scripting, right? You, you fall into this pattern of behavior. But uh, sorry if my PC is making noises. No, you, I sound, keep telling, fine. you sound fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I kept telling OneDrive to, to screw off and it won't. Um, so, <laughs> so, Thanks, Windows. Um, yeah. Thank you, Windows. Um, but any, anyway, I think another interesting point is you brought up the big picture, but she also says you were great before Cerberus rebuilt you talking to Shepard. Mm-hmm. And then she says, I'm great because of it. So Miranda has this very high ego, but very low self-worth. Right, right. She understands and, that she was designed in a very, uh, with a very high capacity for doing certain things very well. But she also lacks certain self-esteem because of the situation that she was raised in. And I think that's why I, and, and I think other players too, when you first meet Miranda, and she talks about, I'm perfect. I'm perfect. I do this, this, and this. How hard is my life? That I, that I felt her going, well, I'm perfect, but oh, woe is me. I'm so good at everything that everyone just expects me to be perfect that I felt, wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's like the smallest little fiddle. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it definitely hits... 
in our world because we don't have people who are designed like she she is that hits you as like oh cry me a river yeah like great you have this wonderful life but like it, it, it hits you like people complaining who have a lot of privilege and then don't realize it it's that yeah. kind of thing which makes everybody go oh god give me a break um life but, was so hard i grew up as the son of a billionaire and i got everything i wanted so i never really truly learned the reward aspect of anything and you know it's left me feeling empty right do you but feel bad for me there is <laughs> right it's, it's hard to feel sympathy for people like that but at the same time there there are forms of abuse that, for example uh, think about like young tv stars who get fame and wealth too early in life and end up addicted to drugs and in and out of relationships of broken relationships with their families and all of these things, right? We would have the same kind of response of, well, look at all the fame and money you got. You're doing great. But those kinds of situations, which appear good on the surface and like the kinds of things most of us want, often can, oftentimes can become abusive or deteriorate their mental well-being in ways that are very real. And so it's hard to relate to, but it doesn't mean that it's also not something that is painful if you're in that situation so it's this weird double-edged thing where she she legitimately has some real problems even though she is designed the way she is and both of those things can be true at the same time even though it doesn't feel like we need to be empathetic for her yeah and i think uh on, on top of all of that overwrapping it is this very cool collected facade that doesn't right. help us understand how she truly feels about it right so she's not a us. wreck she's not walking around like you know not taking care of her hair or showering for a few days or barely getting out of bed right like she's very functional yeah, but she's not like me <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh you know like most people go through these kinds of things and they they look kind of a mess right she like she, she's in psychological terms she's um oh what's it called uh there's a word for when you when you cover it up and you naturally cover things up um people lots of different people with different kinds of mental d issues do this a lot publicly and that actually complicates those issues because it wears you out because you constantly have to be putting on a face um mm. and she's clearly very good at doing that but it doesn't mean it's easy for her or even healthy for her to be doing that yeah and and uh but wait there's more uh, her <laughs> egomaniac for a father is central to her loyalty mission that's why she brings it up so early this this comes to a fruition later when you need to secure her loyalty and we have a clip uh from that mission yeah. masking masking is the word masking yes. oh there you go dino dino uh, yeah masking is the word. all right here we go let's go to the clip you remember what i told you about father building a dynasty there was another reason i went to cerberus for protection I have a sister, a twin, and he's still hunting her. Cerberus has kept her safe until now. She's living a normal life on Ilium, safe and hidden from my father. So you think your father's tracked her down? Precisely, Commander. My sources indicate he knows that she's on Ilium. I've tried to keep her hidden without impacting her life, but I'm out of options. He's too close. I need to relocate my sister's family before it's too late. What do you need me to do? My father is extremely persistent. I'd like to go to Ilium when Cerberus is moving the family to make sure none of his agents get too close. My contact's name is Lantea. She'll be waiting for us in the lounge near the Nos Astra docking bay. So this is the moment where we get something that we truly can empathize with, is her care for her sister and the danger that her sister is in. 
Yeah. And so, and it's also a weak point for Miranda. You know, she's supposed to be perfect, but she has this vulnerability. Right. And it's, and it's empathy. It's somebody she cares about, right? Like it's trend, it genuinely a good quality. Yeah. And so it, it, it rounds her out as a character, certainly. And I think that's, you know, intentional to make her not unrelatable. Um, but we see her caring for someone when just maybe an hour of gameplay beforehand. Now, it got to be more than that because it's the loyalty mission. But well, it depends you know, on if you're uh, if you're the shepherd that you just played where you don't care about anything. And then the game only lasts five hours anyway. That's true. Yeah. So depending on how many hours you put in, it's really not that long ago that she was just telling you on Minuteman station uh, or other whatever station they were on when talking to the elusive man that she was telling you, you know, basically, uh, I don't know if you're even a liability or an asset. And she seemed so frosty. But now we see her caring for her sister and asking for your help. Um, I have a couple of questions aside from that. Number one, did the elusive man know that this mission was being done on his dime? Do you think the elusive man would really care about Miranda's sister? N not unless she was uh, like strategic benefit to him. Yeah, I, I on one hand, I don't see him approving that expenditure. But on another hand, it's not much money, so he's not going to be cheap about it. So. I imagine him telling her to be careful, but at the same time saying, you know, I need you fully dedicated to this mission. And if this will allow you, you know, to yeah. put it out of your mind, then do it. Yeah. Um, he, 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 he doesn't, I don't think he cares about her, but he cares about getting what he wants in the end. And if it's a minor bump in the road to get where he really wants to go, we see him do this multiple times where he'll justify uh, like a slight inconvenience because it gets to the goal he's really looking for. Yeah. And I think it's also, it can be manipulative because yeah. if now you owe me, is the, you owe me, I helped yeah. you out with your sister. You owe me. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, I, I, I also think it's important because she tells Shepard, I don't want to interfere. I just want to monitor and make sure that, you know, his agents don't get too close to the sister and the family. So basically there's this mission on Ilium. She goes in, the plan is to not interfere, but she quickly realizes that things aren't going according to plan. Uh, and part of it is because of her close friend named Niquette and him betraying her and her family uh, <clears throat> in the interest of her father. So we have another clip here as to what happens. I can't believe Niquette sold me out. I didn't even see it coming. Even with all your upgrades, you're human just like the rest of us. But I let it get personal and I screwed up. Why didn't you let me kill him? I could have handled that. But watching him get gunned down by that Asari bitch. You still cared for him, even if he betrayed you. You're right. And my father knew it. He used that against me. It's always been like this. My father gave me anything I ever wanted. But there was always a hook, an angle for his long-term plan. I threw away everything he ever gave me when I ran. Except Niket. Weakness on my part. You can't toss aside everything you care about just to be safe. It's okay, Shepard. My father hurt me, but he didn't break me. As much as he tried to turn me into exactly what he wanted, I'm my own person. Any other old friends your father might use against you? No, I cut ties with everyone else. Anyone I'm close to now works for Cerberus. So we'll pause it there. Um, yeah. So first of all, 
some wise words from Shepard. You can't toss away everything you care about just to be safe. Right. And also, uh, the other thing that occurred to me is um, even more evidence that her father and the elusive man are very similar in the fact that mm. like they would leverage things to kind of use her. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. And it's amazing she didn't put two and two together at this point. Right. Uh, like she, she went from one father figure to another father figure and they're both basically the same personality. <laughs> they're very similar. Yeah. And so, uh, I think that that line, you can't toss away everything you care about just to be safe is so poignant for Miranda's character development. And it's so um, insightful from Shepard because Shepard doesn't know this at this point, but that whole behavior of tossing away everything you care about just to be safe is, is the reason she's so cold. Maybe it's the reason why she treats the orphan from the comics with Jacob like the way that she does and deems uh, saving the people who are being trafficked uh, an unnecessary risk. It's the reason why she's so blasé about apparently doing the empathetic thing a lot of the time is because she's tossing away things that she, she cares about or might care about just to be safe, just so that she can't get hurt. Yeah, that, I mean, it totally makes sense. Like this, this is the situation she's been in and so she's gonna respond a certain way, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that's very interesting there at the end, she says, I am my own person. As much as she follows orders and at the very beginning of Mass Effect 2 appears to be the poster child for Cerberus, uh, she does somewhat prove here in this mission and again later that she is certainly her own person and she is breaking away from that cult-like control that Cerberus has over her. Right, right. Okay, so with this arc that brings us to the end of mass effect 2 um but then there is a big scene with her at the end right yeah uh, well only if you bring her and from a lore perspective yes you definitely should at least once so i'm talking about the end of mass effect 2 this is the breaking point with Miranda. She's had enough of Cerberus. She finally st stands up to one of those father figures that she's had in her life that, that we were talking about. So let's take a listen to that. And how many lives could be saved if we keep this base intact and use its knowledge to thwart the Reapers? Imagine the lives that will be lost if we don't. No matter what kind of technology we might find, it's not worth it. Shepard, you died fighting for what you believed. I brought you back so you could keep fighting. Some would say what we did to you was going too far, but look what you've accomplished. I didn't discard you because I knew your value. Don't be so quick to discard this facility. Think of the potential. We'll fight and win without it. I won't let fear compromise who I am. Miranda, do not let Shepard destroy the base. Or what? You'll replace me next? I gave you an order, Miranda. I noticed. Consider this my resignation. Shepard, think about what's at stake, about everything Cerberus has done for you. You... <laughs> boop boop turned off boop 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 sorry we lost a signal <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so she stands up to him right she finds this this is like the turn um i also like the format of this shepherd and the elusive man the elusive man for those of you who aren't watching the video version is being projected right through like the digital projection but miranda's standing behind her behind him uh, kind of like looking through him towards Shepard and then the elusive man turns and she's she's got his back until all of a sudden she doesn't have his back 
the blocking is pretty yeah. genius, a genius. And, yeah. and, I, and we know from having talked with one of the animators who worked on this game, uh, or I'm sorry, this game and Mass Effect 3, he didn't work on these scenes specifically, I think, but and we know enough to know that that kind of blocking, not a coincidence. Yeah, no, like it wasn't Shepard and Miranda standing next to each other like they're on the same team against the elusive man. She was on the elusive man's team. She's standing on his side of the table until he turns to her and she says, nope. <laughs> yeah. And also kind of poignant to or powerful to note that that uh, the elusive man was literally standing in between Miranda and Shepard. He right. was coming between them. Right. And right. if you've romanced Miranda, then that blocking makes even more sense because the elusive man was wielding this 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 level of control over Miranda and how how fitting to have control over someone that seems to be the elusive man's MO. Um, you know, I'm also impressed with Miranda. I've, I've talked a lot of crap about her before about the whole like, oh, what was me thing? But the, the strength that it takes to stand up to someone that even you say you owe everything to, that's something that a lot of people will never, ever achieve. That level yeah. of strength to say, you know what? I do owe you everything, but this is wrong. Right, right, right. And because it puts you at risk, you're really taking a step out on a ledge there, you know. And a lot of people are conditioned to value loyalty over morality. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we see it a lot in our own society. People are more likely to agree to a certain thing because it makes them fit into a social context <clears throat> than because it actually aligns with some ethic they believe in. Uh, they're more likely to scrap the ethic or justify the ethic for social inclusion. This isn't like a perfect example, but an, an example that if anyone's been staying, uh, you know, tuned into the news lately, how often do you see a member of one of the two major political parties in the United States or wherever your country is speak out against their own party? Right, right. It's all about own, when someone in their own party has done something wrong. Right, right. Yep. You can, I mean, it's, it's actually a big sign. Somebody is moral when they call out somebody who's part of their group and say, hey, we all stand together, but this person did something wrong and they need to be, you know, they need to pay for that <laughs> from their right. own group. That really does, like, a lot of people will see them as traitors, but that actually means they're standing up for the things that they genuinely believe in from a moral standpoint. John McCain made a career out of it. Right. John McCain called Absolutely. himself a maverick because he was a Republican, but often uh, would work in bipartisan ways across the aisle. Right. Uh, right. And so and, and by the way, that analogy isn't like, you know, uh, airtight. There's certainly some people who abuse right. it because they they live or or they represent districts that are very um, uh, battleground swing districts. And so they adjust their views accordingly. Sure. That's, you know, so for people who are going to dive into that and be like, well, actually, <laughs> I was making a, a simple point. Right. And so, uh, but yeah, it's not airtight, but, but what I am saying is that there are circumstances where it takes a lot of strength to stand up to uh, someone or some entity that you believe that you owe everything to, and you're doing it out of morality. Uh, so, and the other point I wanna bring up with what Miranda's talking about with Shepard here, she's saying you're going to replace me next yeah and yeah. and having a reflection uh, you know she wasn't blind to his ruthless leadership even though she didn't want to admit it 
Right. But like, I can see what you're doing. And now I'm, I'm, I'm not safe if I keep following you. So why am I still following you? Exactly. Like you, you don't value loyalty at all. So why should I? Right. Right. Um, so, so it, it, it is, it is a quite powerful, I guess it's a powerful action from her because before then you don't really hear a lot of, um, lines that would seem to indicate dissension among the ranks you know um and her knowledge of what happens to people who do quit quit cerberus Mm -hmm. she knows that they die she knows that there's really no way to quit cerberus and and maintain your safety i can't quit you cerberus i can't quit you (laughs) and and she chooses it anyway yeah that's how important it's a really cool moment this is a very cool moment it's an it's a cool turn yeah. So this is a very, very awesome um, point in her redemption arc to me, but her story isn't over yet. Yep. Anyway, so we've got some more uh, secrets for people who have played the DLCs. And even then, you may not have noticed certain things. So we're going to go over that on the next part of the episode. But before then, we got to go thank our patrons. So we'll be right back. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this lore cast is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we thank our patrons. Patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast if you're interested in helping support us and keep this thing going. And big shout outs to all of our patrons. We don't have any new ones this week, but we do have our Shepherd tier patrons to shout out. Kokashins, Edboy, Kira C, Lieutenant Tassino, that's Spectre J, and William, thank you for your support, and all 65 of our current patrons, thank you for helping to keep this show going, and if you are interested in anything, from ad-free episodes to t-shirts and all sorts of other cool stuff, then go check it out. Also, we've got some, we've actually got two new reviews, we've got a nice short one here from bopper for You from the US who writes, awesome podcast, great hosts, great topics, great job, robot. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Bopper. And then we have one, that was from the United States, and we have one from Canada. Rex Freak says, I'm Commander Vicarian, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Man, I thought I loved the world of Mass Effect before. Now I just can't get enough of it after listening to this awesome show. I love the chemistry Tom and Sam share with Tom connecting the lore to theology and real world parallels, and Sam with his brain full of Mass Effect knowledge. As an aspiring author, things like this really give me an amazing perspective on what makes iconic sci-fi these stories and characters are so important to a lot of people thank you for bringing them just a little bit closer to reality does this unit have a soul <laughs> i thought you'd get a kick out of that one sam oh yeah i did yeah, yeah. <laughs> i almost made a lay Miz reference too you know <laughs> nice. does this unit have a soul is so similar in cadence to like who am I? Two four six zero one. Yeah, right. <laughs> so thank you. These are on Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a five star rating and a review on a future episode, we'll read it out. And also, you can rate the show on Spotify or whatever other platform you listen to this on. So, um, and there's always YouTube. You can always comment on the YouTube stuff. So thank you for being here and for supporting the show. We appreciate all of you. Let's get back to the rest of the episode. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, Sam. So what are these secrets we have on Miranda? 
Oh, yeah. they're good. Okay. Oh, they're there. This is, you know, the uh, <laughs> I was going to make a terrible Internet reference, but I won't. So the shadow broker put together dossiers of his own on some of Shepard's close associates and people trying to bring Shepard back. Uh, and this makes sense, given this history of Liara and Farron battling shadow brokers agents for Shepard's body that Miranda was intimately involved in. So, of course, the shadow broker would have a dossier on Miranda and all of this information. And so what we find is a number of different things. We find let, let's talk about her Internet search history first, because that is something <laughs> that's included in this dossier. And uh-huh. it's tight you know, form fitting pants. Lots and uh, lots of tight form fitting pants. Maybe she has like seven pairs that one she wears each day of the week mm-hmm. and then she just does laundry. I don't know. Um, but her her extranet search activity. Uh, first entry is image results for, quote, Shepherd <laughs> Shepherd Sarah Inspector. I love the fact that even Miranda isn't perfect at Boolean searches. Uh, extranet, extranet message news summary for Eldfell Ashland Energy. Okay, let's talk about this one. Why is Miranda searching Eldfell Ashland Energy? This is a really, really awesome, obscure lore reference. And props to you if you're at home or you're in the car and you're like, ah, I know this one, I know this one. Props to you. Eldfell Ashland Energy refers to a series of starship, quote unquote, accidents that occurred over a planet and scattered Ezo all over the human colony below. Well, it turns out it wasn't an accident at all. Cerberus arranged for these starships to blow up and scatter that Ezo down yeah. below because yeah. they wanted to see if they could intentionally create human biotics. Right. Right. And what's more is one of those human biotics that they get created. By the way, most of the time that this happens, people die. The, yeah. the fetuses die. They, they, they don't get biotics every time. And <laughs> most of the time, it's terrible. Yeah. Most, lots of suffering. Yes. Horrendous. Right. But one of the people who did develop biotics because of this is Jillian Grayson. If this name sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you read and or listened to the Mass Effect Ascension novel. She is the um, neurodivergent uh, woman in girl and to begin with and woman later uh, with extremely talented biotics but she just cannot connect with other people similar to those people on the autism spectrum. And she's being uh, helped and trained as part of the uh, Alliance's Ascension Project. But what people don't know is that Paul Grayson, her father, isn't actually her father. He is her kidnapper, essentially. Cerberus kidnapped her, but Paul Grayson is the Cerberus operative who blew up the starships or at least helped to. And his deep cover was that he would act as her father. So the fact that Miranda is searching Eldfell Ashland energy is really awesome. It's, it's so cool that the writers put this in there because it would indicate that Miranda has some reason to believe that Cerberus might actually be, be behind that. Or at least she's curious if they were. Right, right. Yeah, otherwise, why is she really interested? Yeah. And given what we know about Cerberus, 
that they that they um, sequester off their different cells that they operate in. Obviously, Miranda, part of the Lazarus cell, bringing back Shepard. I don't think Miranda would be totally aware of what Paul Grayson was doing in blowing up the starships to scatter Ezo. Sure, sure, yeah. The elusive man wouldn't want that. Right. So the fact that she is going behind the elusive man's back to try and find out about maybe something that she might have some suspicion that Cerberus was involved in is really cool. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's even really cooler. The next, what is that? The next one. The next one is exactly what you brought up. You want to go ahead and read what the next entry is? <laughs> Subscriptions. No, what, just to go back, what you said is really cool. I don't want to. I don't want to discredit it. That is really that connection is very very cool. Uh, this next one is subscription activated after dark fashions. So she subscribes to like a one of those like fashion like clothing delivery services. Yes, I guess so. <laughs> I guess that's what that means. Yeah, um, I I. I'm not, I'm sorry. That's a lot of PC noises because I'm trying to do some quick Googling mm-hmm. while I uh, do this, but basically, uh, and then after dark fashions, yeah, I don't think it was inspired by any real, um, real fashion or lingerie company, but obviously it's it kind of sounds like lingerie. It does kind of sound like lingerie or at least evening wear. Yeah. Um, Something but like it's that. pretty funny subscription activated and What's more is we don't know when there's no timestamps on these messages. So we don't know when she was searching for Shepard Sarah Inspector. We don't know when she was searching for Eldfell Ashland Energy. I don't mm-hmm. think we know when she activated her subscription to After Dark Fashions, but we do know that she's, she canceled a subscription to Biotech Research Quarterly. Yep. Don't need that subscription anymore, I yeah. guess. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, and there so. there is a book purchase, a vid book. There is a, there is a book, a vid book purchase. Uh, you want to tell tell our listeners what that one is? This is I mean, this one's got to be a joke, right? Men are from Omega, women are from Ilium. Men are from yes. Mars, women are from Venus. Like it's the real world book, right? Like she's trying to understand intersex relationships, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly. Um, my thought is that it's nothing more than a joke that she is not very good at dating. I yeah, think that's yeah, the maybe, illusion. Yeah, you maybe know, that's it. That she, maybe that's she it. doesn't know how to connect. Why do I with, keep turning all these guys away? <laughs> exactly. When it, like um, we've seen the way that she greeted Shepard and how cold she was. So eh, that might be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, uh, all right. That brings us to the next point in her uh in her shadow broker dossier right so there's the extranet search history but you remember how i said maybe means she's not that good at dating well that's what we get to learn about in the next part it's her personal correspondence with apparently an online dating app called ipartner connections and her uh Basically, we do have a timestamp for this one. Actually, it's uh, it looks like eleven twelve p.m. and it's for Miss Lawson. But her law, her username is Lawbringer SR two, meaning she's sending these probably while she's on the Normandy on the SR two. Yeah, yeah, yes. Otherwise, why and that wouldn't make any sense? 
Right. So it says we've reviewed your application to join iPartner Group and are happy to accept you into the exclusive Diamond Circle, where you meet where the best meets the best. iPartner is proud to present you with our exclusive Diamond Circle benefits. Access your account as often as you wish. Unrestricted membership search across 23 systems. Review potential iPartners in full 360 vision. Guaranteed first choice placement of your personal dossier. Questions? Ask your iPartner representative. Welcome, <laughs> iPartner Connections. Exclusive executive matches for selective people. I like that the um, first thing says access to your account as often as you wish. Like some accounts are limited. Like you can't log in whenever you want. I think I think that's a joke because at the same time, if I remember right, Tinder, the the online dating app in our real real world, it 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 limited how many swipes you got. Oh, so it's and like I a think they had just implemented that. that and it was pissing people off because it uh, didn't it wasn't always like that. And you notice it also says unrestricted member membership search across 23 systems. Mm -hmm. Online dating apps at the time when this game were released, they they didn't let you put your location just anywhere. It was location locked. Yeah. So it looks like this one does. Right. So another another joke there. Um, and there's a little asterisk at the bottom says iPartner reserves the right to censor inappropriate submissions. <laughs> right. <laughs> which which nice feels very real. Joke. Like it feels like, a, yeah, a nice dick pic joke. Um, there's also another back and forth between her and uh, a man named perfect man zero one. <laughs> Do you, you want to? Okay, Tom, how about you read do you, would you would you prefer to be Lee, or I'm sorry, Liar? Would you prefer to be Miranda? I'll be Miranda. Or, I'll be Miranda. Okay, you'll be Miranda. I'll be Perfect Man Zero One. Okay. Okay. Here it is. Hey there. New to all this iPartner stuff? Yes. Well, maybe tell me about yourself. What sort of work do you do? I can't talk about that. Like some kind of secret government spy stuff? Sounds dangerous. <laughs> yes. Okay. How about a little bit about you? What do you do for fun? Look, I don't really care about getting to know you. Upload your required medical exam results. Uh, sure. And then hits upload. You had a mild case of syntonial abraxis four years ago. Well, yes, but the doctors have... Click. <laughs> disconnected. <laughs> disconnected, yeah. So that's that's pretty uh, telling about <laughs> about her um, <laughs> straight about to the her, point. Her, straight to the yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. This next one is pretty good too. It's a reference to uh, Krogan, uh, who is a huge, huge uh, romantic on Ilium. It's f between Miranda and True Gent Forever. Ever, ever, <laughs> ever. But it says Omega is the location. And the guy starts off with, oh, my love is like a red, red rose that is new sprung. Click. Disconnect. Yeah. Thank you the for contacting one. to iPartner Connections. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is probably uh, more representative of real online dating. Uh, guy starts off with, hey, baby, how about a pick? Let's get this. Click. Like, yeah. High Roller LLCJ. <laughs> and then this final one. Um, let, let's do the same thing again. You want to be Miranda? And I, sure. I will be No Games 411. <laughs> so, so No Games uploads an image and, uh, and, and says just one word, medical. Looks clean. Yes. 
Apartment Block D, number 221, <laughs> 9.30. Anything I should... Disconnect. <laughs> so apparently, if you were ever wondering, yes, Miranda is apparently down to fuck. Uh, and we have that in writing from the Shadow Broker DLC. Um, so the next part, that is the last of the dating, uh, online dating chapters. But we do get a little uh, conversation between Oriana, her twin, and Miranda. And uh, they're basically checking in with each other. Um, and it's a nice little, I guess, window into Miranda's life, very similar to the window we get into Ashley's life when Ashley talks about her sisters and her family. And um, basically, if you're interested in reading it, you can go online and read it somewhere or you can go in the game, uh, but we're not going to spend too much time on it. The real thing that I think is most important from this Shadow Broker DLC and the dossier for her, and it made me feel bad because it, this one was the moment where I really felt like I was invading someone's privacy is medical correspondence. There's an email from the Ilium Medical Center prenatal care department, and the subject line reads test results patient 12-66 AD-1 says Miss Lawson, as per your request for privacy, this message will be removed from our database upon con confirmation of SIND integrity. While we cannot firmly attribute the cause of the benign neoplasm to the irregularity of your genetic makeup, we can confirm that the progressive damage renders you unable to conceive a child. About 12% of human women ages 18 to 54 have difficulty getting pregnant or staying pregnant according to data obtained from the Institute of Species Research. There are many support groups if you wish to discuss your condition and several options available should you wish to consider adoption of a child. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's, not only does this feel invasive like on a personal medical level, but it also like emotionally, like like it tells you a lot more about her yeah she's battling grief that you know nothing about right and yeah. um it's really sad that obviously she may have wanted the option to have a child because otherwise yeah. she wouldn't have had this test done uh and she was just told that that'll never happen right yeah yeah it's you know the cold exterior but people are still people inside you know yeah, I'm not sure if this implies that she's been trying, but she's clearly interested in finding a a partner for life. You know, they, or, or she being activated a that subscription. Yeah, she had that book. You know, men are women are from Omega, men are from Ilium or, or whatever. Right. And then she's been trying to find a partner on this dating app. She's clearly interested in, I think, finding a long term partner. And with that, probably came the thought of, you know. Could I even have a kid? Right. It's, it's, and, there's definitely a longing for human connection there with a partner, yeah. with a child, uh, being being more than just her, right? Not being alone. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess, you know, I read this email and I think about empathetically what she must have been going through while she's reading this on the other end and she's alone. And then she puts it down and I can just imagine a call coming in from, you know, work and she has to take it, you know, and back to the job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty sad. Um, considering that it's Ilium Medical Center, I even wonder 
if this happened during the events of Mass Effect 2, while you were on shore leave visiting Omega, Omega mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, yeah. Omega, Ilium. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. That she snuck in a little medical visit while she was there. Yeah, totally. Could have been a thing. A lot of these so. seem like uh, not everything has dates, but the whole like her being on the SR2 and it feels like this is more recent stuff. Like we're not pulling stuff from years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does feel very recent. Um, so the medical information revealing that she's infertile, we can speculate as much as we want about why she may have tried to get that test. But regardless, she got the test done. She got that news. And I don't think it's safe to say that it doesn't affect her. She's a human being and she has yeah. emotions. Yeah. So, okay. So let's skip to Mass Effect 3. Uh, Shepard has left Cerberus. So... Is that why we don't see much of Miranda? Partly, um, you know, you remember how I said that confrontation scene with the elusive man should have been kind of a mandatory thing and given the lore. Well, it's because we learn in Mass Effect 3 that Miranda is also on the run from Cerberus after having parted ways. She simply knew too much, I think, for the elusive man to let her go. And uh, we have a clip from that from when you first meet Miranda in Mass Effect 3. Commander Shepard, it's been far too long. We live in interesting times. A little too interesting. I couldn't get anywhere near you when the Alliance had you locked up. Relieved of duty. It was complicated. I'm sure it was. I'm surprised they didn't court-martial you. The Alliance isn't known for its flexibility. Doesn't matter now. Shepard, about Earth... Countless people lost their lives within minutes. The Reapers are everything we feared. They should have listened to you a long time ago. I'm sorry, Shepard. What about you? What brings you here? I need to talk to a few people. Like you. The Citadel is a good place to meet. For now. What's the Alliance's next move? We have a plan. It's a long shot. Not surprising. Shepard, there's something I wanted to mention. What is it? I haven't heard from my sister, Oriana, for a while. I'm getting worried. Your sister? Yes. I don't want to overreact, but... Well, there's a lot going on. I thought we made sure she was safe. We did. It's probably nothing, but I just know my father is involved. What happened? I don't know. Everything I had in place to make sure she was safe went dark. What do you need from me? I appreciate the offer, Shepard. But you have your hands full. If I need a door or two kicked down, I know just who to call. So we get back to the whole sister Yes, we do. Um, And so it sets much of the tone for the interactions that you have with her in Mass Effect 3. Unless you romance her. Then it's a little a little bit different. Um, but I also found it interesting that when uh, Shepard tells her about the devastating impact of the Reapers, Miranda says they should have listened to you a lot earlier. Yeah. What she's not saying and what I think part of what she means is I should have listened to you a lot earlier. Right. About Cerberus, about everything. Right. Right. Yeah. And she's so, she's fully like I'm now fully on Team Shepard is really yeah. what that's saying. 
I'm not going to go into very much detail here about the arc with Miranda's sister because it's very sparingly. It's a series of conversations that revolve again and again around Miranda working to save her sister in Mass Effect 3, but she doesn't lean on Shepard too much for help during this. So we don't know too many details about what's going on. But do you remember at the very beginning we talked about the control chip, how Miranda brought that up from right from the get go? Yeah. Mass Effect 2. Yeah. Well, it comes up again here in Mass Effect 3 uh, on one of these meetings where Shepard, uh, you know, meets Miranda on the Citadel to talk about her sister, actually. So let's take a listen to this uh, clip. Yes, I need to tell you something. Confess, really. It's been eating away at me. Confess? When I headed the Lazarus Project to rebuild you, I wanted to implant a control chip in you as a safeguard. I think you mentioned this. I did. There's more to it. The elusive man stopped me. Sounds like it would have saved him a lot of trouble. Maybe. He didn't want to interfere with who you truly were. Something that just obeyed orders. He wanted Commander Shepard. Installing the chip might have ruined you. I'm glad you didn't. Better to stay dead than be someone's plaything. Exactly. Why bring that up now? I fought against my father and his need to run every aspect of my life. He wanted total control over me, right down to my bloody DNA. After I got out of there, I couldn't stand by and let it happen to my sister. I risked my life to get her away from all that. Yet I didn't give a second thought to destroying your free will when I had the power. This is what's been bothering you? Yes. Miranda, I lost two years of my life. You gave me back the rest of it. You could have taken everything from me, made me a prisoner. But you didn't. I don't know how. But you brought me back. Thanks. But with so much being uncertain, I just wanted you to know I always regretted wanting that chip. You can't keep beating yourself up over the past. I usually don't. But this was important. Some things you just don't have control over. Guess my fancy genetics can't help me there. So this is the moment where she realizes, or at least she owns up to. I'm sure she it sounds like she's realized this for a while. But this idea of like, I was just doing what my dad did to me or wanting to do that incredible a moment of you know uh self-reflection and introspection to be able to realize that you were doing that and she's also dropping her guard and being vulnerable expressing genuine regret for trying to constantly control variables you remember we talked about that earlier yeah. constantly controlling variables tossing people away uh that you care about just to avoid getting hurt this is all the behavior of someone so afraid to be hurt someone that's insecure yeah. Um, and so it's also interesting to note that she says her father was constantly trying to control her and her sister, and she was trying to get uh, her sister away from that. But when it came down to it, she was completely okay with the possibility of destroying Shepard's free will. And there's this theme of control that is so intertwined with Cerberus throughout the entire Mass Effect 3, uh, 3 and kind of the whole trilogy 
that control itself is so synonymous with Cerberus. It's so synonymous with the elusive man, with Miranda's father, with the destruction of free will being such a central theme to Mass Effect 3 that it's even popping up here. And it's also a pivotal moment in her character's development. It's a moment where for once we see that she is divulging the truth, an inconvenient truth for her, and doesn't have an agenda, apparently, beyond telling someone what they deserve to know. She's not manipulating things for once, and she's not treating Shepard like a means to an end, but rather an, uh, an end unto themselves. Yeah, and that's very important. So, okay, so we're getting to the end of Mass Effect 3 here. Uh, what's her ultimate fate? We are. We are getting into the end of Mass Effect 3, and her fate, like many things in the game, depends on your actions. But regardless, she does confront her father on Sanctuary, who has hunted down her sister. And if you choose wrong, well, there are some consequences. But if you choose right, you know, you can you can get out with her alive. So here's a clip from one of those scenes in uh, Matt Miranda's Ultimate Fate. Let me go! Ariana! What? Miranda! Oh my god. Miranda, can you hear me? Shepard, you, you can finish this. Damn it. Miranda. Shepard. So you chose the you chose the sad one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um so here's a scene where Miranda dies. This is not the romance Shepard one. Uh and if Miranda dies, then obviously very sad. Um, but ultimately, it looks like her father is dead too, and she did save her sister. But the, the point that is most important is regardless of if Miranda dies, she becomes the sole reason why Shepard and the crew have any shot at all at saving the galaxy. And the reason being is because she's the one who tags Kai Lang's shuttle with a tracker, allowing the Normandy to follow him right to Minuteman Station, where the elusive man took the Prothean VI, where Shepard ultimately defeats Kai Lang, and Shepard learns that the Crucible has been brought to Earth. Yeah. So in her own way, or, she I'm has sorry, this the like, Citadel has been brought to Earth. She she has but, her own yes. like redemption arc. And there's sacrifice here in this in this version of it. Um, so these are all very core components for many highly impactful stories throughout fantasy and fiction and mythology and all sorts of things. Right. The end of Mass Effect 2, she confronts the one man who had control over her, resigns, is on the run from him throughout Mass Effect 3, and then confronts the other man who had control over her. Both men remarkably similar in their narcissistic personality, you know, abuser kind of archetypes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and realizes shifts. her own like gravitational pull to become that herself and yes. then turns away from it. 
yeah, it is, it is a truly beautiful arc, uh, that if, if I had been a little bit more empathetic, I think I, you know, when I first played this game, I would have identified that. Uh, but now, you know, having to dive into every character, uh, you know, er throughout this lore cast, it, it means that I do get to take a magnifying glass to these different arcs of different characters like Miranda's. And so it is, it is a beautiful one that Miranda's sacrifice means something. And even if she doesn't sacrifice, even if she, even if she doesn't die, still Miranda is the reason why Shepard stands a shot at saving the galaxy yeah among yeah, it, other people yeah it, it shows it shows how important she is and how this wouldn't have been the case if she didn't have this character arc which was partly because of her impact or a shepherd's impact on her life like all of these things tie together all of the the interactions the the it, it's this wonderful web and it weaves this wonderful story yeah so it is a beautiful story and you know that is the end of miranda's story in mass effect regardless you know there is this final conversation that you can have before the final beam run in mass effect 3. if you're curious about that you can look that up uh but ultimately it's not that significant unless you romanced her and we'll be getting into character romances at some other later time uh but but for the lore you know this is it and uh yeah i yeah. saw someone say in chat earlier i think it was dino dude uh you know as long as we get this much content about garrus and legion uh then then he's good i'm I, sure there's I'm a lot make, of content for them too <laughs> yes there is I'm going to make a promise to you all that I'm going to try and be as thorough with the content as possible, but I can't create lore where there is none. Right, so right. some people, some characters are not going to have as many episodes as Miranda. And that's because there's just not enough written uh, yeah. about them. Yeah. And I can't really change that. Yeah. She shows up in a lot of the comics. There's a like some of the other characters show up more in the games, but she shows up in the extra material a lot. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Where are we going from here? What are we doing next week? So next week, uh, we're going to be, we have a pre-recorded episode that we're going to be putting out uh, because I will actually be in Hawaii. So by the time people are listening to this episode, I will be in Hawaii and uh, I'll be on vacation. It'll be great. Uh, so if you're wondering where the, if you're listening to this and then you're wondering where, hey, where's the next live show? We're not going to be doing a live show, but we are talking to a modder who is very adamant about Miranda and he has some pretty awesome insights as well as some awesome mods that he's been working on. We'll talk about that. Yeah, some Miranda mods. It's it's a it's a fun discussion. So tune in for that next time. And uh, for those of you who normally tune in for the live show, sorry, we won't be here next week, but we will be back in two weeks. And so thank you for being here. Uh, anything else you want to share before we head out? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. You know, we're coming up at the end of these Miranda episodes. I'm happy to have a week off. And uh, yeah, I don't know when I'll be streaming next, but give me a follow. Send me a message. I uh, love you all. And I'll catch you next time. Yeah, have an awesome vacation. I hope it goes really, really well. And chat, thank you for being here. Um, all of my stuff, robotsradio.net or twitch.tv slash robotsradio. Uh, you guys know where our stuff is. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. It's good to see you all again. And we'll be back next time. So stay safe out there in the galaxy. See you next time. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Mass Effect Lorecast at gmail.com.